Welcome back to the Equipoise Podcast. Today, we're going to begin a series of interviews with Isaac Thibodeau. Welcome back to the Equipoise Podcast after a long hiatus. I think this is the longest break I've taken, not by choice, since I started the podcast last year. Um, between busyness at the church and with the family, uh, there have been a number of things that unfortunately had to take the back burner for a little while. And as passionate as I am about the Equipoise podcast, the podcast was one of those things. But now I'm back and I'm looking forward to continuing the discussion with you on the Bible translation issue. To that end, I had the pleasure of interviewing Pastor Isaac Thibodeau from a nearby town. He is very well educated and very well versed on this issue. And so I took the role of the learner for this episode and the upcoming episodes, and he took the role of the educator, and I hope that you'll be very blessed by this discussion. So here we go. So, Isaac, tell us how we got the Bible. Yeah, good question. So um, I would actually want to say, how about we talk about how we got the New Testament? Tell me, tell me why that is. Yeah, so the reason why is because with this particular issue of Bible translation and transmission, um, we're not actually debating very much about the Old Testament. So the whole majority text versus critical slash eclectic texting is is just dealing with the New Testament. As far as the Old Testament, we're um, almost in complete agreement with a few variations here and there that should be addressed, but for the purposes of this discussion, it's, it's not necessary. Um, so the New Testament is really what we're talking about when we're discussing the text families. Um, okay. So how we got the New Testament, um, it, that... It's important to note that with that, we're talking about letters primarily that were written to churches or uh, the gospel accounts, which were written to multiple churches or individual Christians, depending on the writer. And in those days, the majority of Christians were just your average common folk. Um, Some of them might have been slightly illiterate. Some of them really poor. Most of them really poor. Um, And before. Back in those days, they didn't have a printing press. So how is it that you could get a copy of a writing? Well, you had to copy it yourself or you had to hire someone to copy it. And, you know, most people are going to copy it themselves because they're very poor, right? Right. Um, The other thing is they didn't have professional paper like we do. They had to write on papyri, which was a type of plant that they dried out and it's the big leaves. Um, Or they would use vellum, which is like animal skin, kind of like a leather to write on. So... Overall, like you look at that, I mean, it's really kind of an inconvenient time to have to write things, but people did it and it's incredible. Um, so what, what's important to note with that is in those days, it was the Roman Empire and um, the primary language that people spoke was, was Koine Greek, common Greek with a little bit of Latin and um, of course, regional languages. <clears throat> so God really set up ahead of time for the gospel to be able to go forth to the nations, which is just awesome. It's yeah. providence, right? Yeah. Um, so what you have in the first century and second century is Christians getting these letters from the apostles. And then once they arrive at a particular local church, people are copying these letters. And then when they go to plant churches somewhere else or go visit other churches or move or wherever, they're bringing these copies with them. And then Christians in those regions copy them. And this is really important because what this prevents is one religious group 
from having all the copies of the New Testament at one time and making wholesale changes to them. Hmm. It's literally impossible for that to happen because there are so many copies of the New Testament writings spread everywhere. Now, there usually, in the first couple of centuries, there wasn't any particular church that had all of the writings of the New Testament at once. They had parts of the New Testament usually, like collections of Paul's letters, things like that. Um, but but that's, I think that's really important to note because um, the way we got the Bible is a lot more complicated than people think. Right. Um, they didn't have uh, a nice leatherback uh compilation of the Old and New Testaments together at one time. That didn't come till much later. Sure, sure. You know? um, so, so yeah. So, in a nutshell, that's that's really um, that's really, I guess, a, a summary of it. Do you, can you think of any other things that? Well, so far, and I know we didn't talk about discussing this, but that's how we're going to do it. Um, I've heard that but people like uh, Dr. Michael Kruger, who would say that we had a reliable um, authorized canon as early as 100 AD. Yeah. Uh, would you say that that's accurate? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So w- regarding the canon of the New Testament, I mean, that um, canon just means rule. So it right. just means, you know, what uh, what should be in, in the New Testament for writings and what shouldn't be. Um, so with that, yeah, we, we definitely did. So in, in practice, people were affirming all of Paul's writings, Peter's writings, the gospel, the four gospels, the synoptics, and then John, um, and Hebrews, things like that. So those weren't in dispute. There's a few cases with like maybe Hebrews or Revelation right, where there was right. a little bit of dispute, but that, that got sorted out really quick. Um, but there wasn't like an official document from the church right. that said, hey, here are the books right. until... The third, I think the third century or fourth century. Right. But in practice, everyone had the canon down. Dan Brown from um, the Da Vinci Code would oh. have us believe that Constantine decided all oh, of yeah. these books right. in the Bible. Which but, is a joke. But any, an actual historian rather than a uh, shock jock novelist <laughs> could tell you that that's simply not the case. Yeah, um, That we have the authorized canon even before the second century yeah. began, which is really exciting. Yeah. Um, so I guess one of the things I want to touch on here is when you talk about how people are copying the, it's really cool because in my mind, I always have a picture of the guy in the room with a candle and a wooden table. It's actually somehow an 18th century farmhouse table, but it's, it's still in the first century. And, and he's got a skull on there, which is also like from the, you know, 18th century, but you know, um, but like, like these guys weren't, these guys weren't professional scribes. These were just moms yeah, and dads, that's brothers right. and sisters, people yep. just copying because the letter was in their church that week. Yeah, and that, and that's really important to note because contrast between Old and New Testament. Old Testament is they're they're written in Hebrew. It's it was they were copied and transmitted by professional Hebrew scribes. Is that like the Essenes? You know, with the Dead Sea Scrolls and stuff like that. Yeah, that, those would be one one group. One group of them. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, but with the New Testament, it's completely different. Now your your common person is going to have to. Uh, copy the New Testament in really poor conditions. They're being hunted, usually mm-hmm. persecuted. Mm-hmm. They don't have any money. They're probably writing in a dark place that's not very convenient. Sure. They don't have the best equipment. 
right. copy. So with all these factors, that's actually really important for our next discussion when we discuss like the text families and everything and yeah. dealing with variations because the re- we have like ev- no single New Testament manuscript is in perfect agreement. No single one with, right. with all the others because they all have copyist errors. And that's to be expected. That's right? exactly, that's right. right. And that's not to say that God didn't preserve his word. That's a whole nother thing. Sure. He, of course he did. Um, but the, the issue is how did he do it? Right. How did he preserve it? And right. the way he did it was there, it takes into account the fact that scribe, that, that copyists have made errors okay. in, in copying. But when we compile them all together... We'll talk about in the next episode. It's not a big deal. So if if they all did look identical, in my mind, I'm thinking back to like Jay Warner Wallace, you know, his case for the reliability of scriptures. Um, if they all were identical, to me, that would actually be a little suspicious. Yeah. Rather than that's providential. Right. Yeah, we'd think collusion or or something like that. Now you have the clock in front of you, and I don't in front of me. How long are we? We're we're at the time limit. Okay. So next session, I want to talk to you about. The Alexandrian versus Antioch text line and the eclectic text, and we'll jump right into that. But thank you for this brief overview. Um, To my listeners, stay tuned. We'll jump right back into this in our next session, which I'll try to release on Wednesday. Until next time, stay balanced. (music) 